Welcome into this slightly delayed edition of the Golf Central Podcast presented by Callaway Golf. I'm Lav, soon to be joined by Rex and the new 2022-2023 PGA Tour season is already underway. We'll preview the final wraparound campaign, the top players, the top breakouts, the top disappointments, the top tournaments, the whole gamut. We'll run it with you through on this podcast. We'll also talk some of the newest developments with Live as it kicks off its fifth event this time outside Chicago. And we'll look ahead uh, to both mine and Rex's trip to Charlotte next week for the President's Cup. But first, Odyssey is the number one putter on tour, and these putters continue to be the most played putters by far at the world's biggest events. In fact, Odyssey has been the number one putter at 50 straight major championships. They are the number one putter on every major tour. They have their most worldwide wins of any putter brand this year. And their newest products like the White Hot OG, Tri Hot 5K, and the 11 are winning in their professional ranks. For more on the number one putter on tour, visit odysseygolf.com and find your new putter today. Rex, this is a family podcast. I will not get into the reason why this podcast is being released uh, about three or four days later uh, than usual. The only thing that I will say um, is that it's always a little bit scary uh, when you can't trust a bodily function. You're playing hurt. I'll give you credit. And it didn't, didn't sound like you were reading that promo at all. You did a really, really good job. Uh, but you're playing hurt. So I'll give you credit. You, uh, in, apparently, you don't want to go into detail. But I will. And I'll read the text. Coming out both ends, he says. Can't pod today. How you feeling? Um, Did I portray yeah, trust? Did I go too far? Like I said, if you can't trust a burp, uh, <laughs> and you can't trust you can't trust the toot. You're you're in, in dire you're in dire straits, uh, and that is exactly what's going on. This is this is what happens, Rex. This is roughly the 179th illness that I have had in the past three years. That's what happens when you put both your kids uh, in daycare, which we do. Uh, cam projectile vomiting on Monday. Uh, that was me roughly two days later, which means my wife uh, is due for the same treatment uh, in roughly, I would say, the next 24 hours. So I'll keep you posted on that. Perhaps we could have an update uh, on next week's Golf Central podcast uh, presented by Callaway Golf. I am feeling better. Uh, I'll have my third teledoc visit as soon as this podcast is wrapped up. Uh, you're probably not feeling your best either after uh, what sounded like a marathon range session. Uh, it was fun. It was enjoyable. I, I hadn't gotten fit for a new driver or three wood in a long time. And so I showed up at the range yesterday and it was kind of an appointment deal. And there was another golf rider. I'm not going to name any names, Jason Sobel, who was in front of me that had just, he had showed up late. So he took, shocking, shocking. Yes, he showed I'm up. Not late say, I'm not going to say any names, Jason Sobel, but he showed up late. So I ended up having to wait and you know me better than I know myself. What did I do when I wait on a, on a beautiful range at Lake Nona? What am I going to do? Oh, you're slashing, you're hacking, oh, yeah. you're, you're, you know, you're working yourself into a lather. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just exhausting myself. Sweat in Florida, dripping off my nose to the point that Sean Foley, who's working with Lydia Co. on the other side of the range, that, that, that's two very big name drops. I know. God, keep it down. He had keep to come down, down and ask danger me over here. if I was okay. You all right, bud? You look a little worked up. You look a little lathered up. Everything good? <laughs> uh, I just get excited when I, when I get on a, a good range. And then, so then you, you, you go in for the fitting and it's like about another hour and a half. And at the end of the fitting, the best part was he goes, well, so I think we're good for driver and three wood. You want to try to work your way into some sort of rescue wood and panting literally. No, thank you. 
I can barely hands, say the word. hands hands bleeding. Yeah, yeah. Zero, on my shorts. Zero hip rotation. Yeah, on my shorts. Got cramps in my legs. Can't drink enough water. Limping to the car, but it's good. I'm glad I got done. Do you care to share uh, your initial driving distance and what you have now uh, fit yourself into? Uh, I was very happy. I, and I hadn't gone through a fitting. I would recommend anyone to go do a fitting. I've done this at Callaway Golf before. Uh, they do a very, very good job. And it, it really opens your eyes to what you're doing and what you're not doing. Like you can sit here and guess, and we're all golfers. So we're all going to make bad choices and we're all going to come up with stupid fixes. And we're going to hurt our elbows because we're swinging clubs that are about five pounds too heavy for us. I will say that just getting the, the positive reinforcement back, the driver that I was using, because it was a piece together driver of it was a head I wasn't fit for and it was a three wood shaft because my son uh, has a problem with breaking clubs I don't know if it's anger related or swing related quite yet I haven't found that out it's certainly not strength related it is not so it's uh he was I was averaging about 210 yards with that driver and then he, he got me all the way up to about 222 so I picked up 20 yards in one session so go get yourself fit folks uh and doubling back on the conversation we had last week uh cannot stress enough uh, need, need, need new irons. I was talking to a PJ tour player, uh, not going to name names. Uh, he plays the exact same weight in his irons that I do, uh, which is a recipe for disaster. The reason why I hurt my elbow. Uh, and so when I head back, uh, to Georgia and to use your, uh, old clubs, which I believe are a decade old. Uh, and if I put on another ball striking, uh, clinic as I did, a couple of weeks ago, that will prove to me once and for all that this is the answer. Uh, and I perhaps could qualify for uh, the 2023 uh, U.S. Med Amateur. I'm very pleased to hear, Rex, uh, that you are now hitting at 220 yards. Uh, way to go. Uh, you are uh, indis- indisputably uh, the shortest hitting player uh, at Golf Channel. Uh, let's move on to the uh, actual professionals. Uh, we're not going to get into the Fortnite championship because it's already underway, but Rex, let's preview this PGA tour season. This uh, three week off season uh, has come and gone. Uh, you were overseas uh, in London at the BMW PGA championship, the flagship event uh, of the DP world tour. And now we're beginning. What is the final wraparound season on the PGA tour before they thankfully Go back to the calendar your schedule at the beginning of 2024. That'll begin in January at the Century Tournament of Champions. This is in 2024. And then wrap up uh, with the Tour Championship in late August. We all very, we very much like that schedule. Well done, PGA Tour. That's exactly what we needed to see. But how about this season, Rex? This final wraparound season. Give me a top player. Who do you think is going to be the PGA Tour Player of the Year for 2022-2023? Is there any way we can improve the, improve the production value at all on this? And maybe pro, post-production, we could slide in some, some actual applause and maybe trumpets or some sort of fanfare instead of that lame, just single person sort of clap in the middle of your house. And I'm sure it made your wife look around the corner aggravated and the dog sort of wake up and look around. Like, is clapping, there any next way we- to this, clapping next to this $15 mic that I have attached to my, to my laptop. It's being uh, pieced in through this Zoom link. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure that the production value is going to get much better in, in post. Is there any, there's nothing, there's no way we, there's nothing, there's it. nothing we can do. We're going to I did, we did a punch shot for golfchannel.com. You did not participate because you were sick. Nope. Barf, barf, barf my brains out. 
And we had to pick the player of the year next year. And I, I had a hard time writing this one because Scotty Scheffler seems like the obvious choice, right? Um, it, it seems like he's going to go back to he, back. Well, no. And going back to back is difficult for guys, for people not named Tiger Woods is, you know, historically, if you look at it, but I, it's hard for me to say Scotty Scheffler did not play his best golf the second half of the season. That's not to say he played terrible golf. He just didn't play his best golf. And he was certainly. Boy, oh boy, those are tough standards. Exactly. He did not win after the Masters. I, I see what you're saying. He did, yes. however, lose in a playoff at Colonial. He lost by one shot at the U.S. Open. He was in the mix at the BMW Championship. And he had a six-shot lead at the Tour Championship. And I think, you know, had any of those gone differently, we would have been talking different about Scotty Shepard. Well, the Tour Championship, well, he actually had a 10-shot lead on the guy who ended up winning through, with 70 holes to play. So I'm, I'll He go had back. a six-shot lead with 18 holes to play. Okay. Match, match, the, match the largest blown lead ever, uh, and particularly by a world number one, but match the largest blown lead ever by a 54-hole leader on the PGA Tour. Not, not, great, I, I, not great, Bob. I, I do not put a lot of stock in that. So, yes, relatively speaking, I would say that Scotty Scheffler just not, didn't live up to that unbelievable standard that he set in the spring. I will say, when you look at what Tony Finau did the second half of the season, I don't know that there was many, if anyone, who was as consistent as he, he, he was. I mean, you look at the back-to-back victories at the 3M Open and the Rocket Mortgage Classic. You add two more runner-up showings, and that's essentially... Not the strongest fields, Rex. Not the strongest of fields, but I still think that he is a player who has gained a lot of confidence over the last two years. Like, if you go back two years ago, we were probably talking about Tony Finau. Why can't he close? You know, when is Tony Finau going to reach... We most now? certainly were talking about why Tony yes. Finau can't close. Absolutely. And I just feel like now he is evolved as a player because I think if you look at it from pure skill, from pure talent, that you, and no one can make an argument that Tony Finau does not have player of the year in him. I mean, you certainly look at the power that he has. You look at the short game that he will put on display from time to time. I, I just like all of the tools that he brings to the table. And right now, I just feel like his confidence has never been higher. Now, that said, I do make the footnote that he has to step up his game in the majors. We, I do need to see something more consistent out of him in the major championships. But, again, I think he has all the tools to be a dominant player, a player of the year. Uh, I do think he has all the tools as well. You hear a lot in other sports about potential. We were having this argument uh, in a group chat with some of my old friends from Candago, New York, uh, yesterday about the Florida quarterback, Anthony Richardson, right? Like, he's, he's only played a couple of times for the Gators, but NFL scouts are salivating, right, at his potential you look at a dude who's like six five two thirty he has all the quote-unquote tools to be a massive superstar in the nfl i kind of feel that way about tony finau as well you look at his driving and really he he harnesses a lot of that power uh, to try to keep it uh, on the golf course but he and his swing coach uh, boyd summerhaves have made uh, immense strides as you pointed out uh with his wedge game with his short game uh, and his, his putting as well. He's now uh, gaining shots on the field per round as he has done uh, each of the past two years. And this that's always been one of his greatest weaknesses. It would not surprise me at all uh, if he wins two or three times uh, next season as well. And it, it really just comes down to his major championship performance. I had, had an opportunity to catch up with him a couple of weeks ago, actually at the BMW uh, for a story I'm working on uh, for the Masters. That's really a tournament where he is, proven in the past that he can have success. Uh, it's a big ballpark. Uh, it kind of taps into his creative genius as well. So uh, Tony Finau, uh, perhaps he picks off that first one at the Masters. I think that's the tournament that's best suited for his skill set. Now for my player of the year, Rex, 
going in a slightly different direction. But another, another player who, kind of like Tony Finau, uh, we had some questions about who, who I thought delivered a, a lot over this past season. And that, for me, is Xander Shoffley, one of the most consistent players throughout the bag on the PGA Tour. He is inside the top 40 in every major statistical category. You really don't see that all that often with some of these top players. There's always some sort of deficiency somewhere, but Xander is so good, so efficient, and so thorough with the way that he plays uh, the game at the highest level uh, on the PGA Tour that I continue to expect big things from him. The reason why I think next season could be different than the ones uh, in the past is he's finally learned how to win with a lead. We saw it not just at the Travelers Championship where he was able to overtake Sahith Thagal on the 72nd hole, but he was kind of in the mix throughout. I thought the Genesis Scottish Open uh, in his next start, you covered that tournament, uh, was a was a pivotal tournament for him. He had the lead throughout that Sunday, including field, on the back nine. Really and he really, there, really, yeah, exactly, 14 of the top 15 players in the world. He clutched up uh, and, and played well uh, on that closing stretch. And so... Uh, Xander Schauffele has has a quite honestly has a horrible record uh, as the 54 hole leader, and so to be able to to close that one out, I think was huge for his confidence. We know about uh, his major championship record. Uh, it's a surprising miscut actually uh, last year at the Masters, a tournament that he's played well in the past, but top 15s in all three of the other ones. He's going to pick off one eventually. Would not surprise me at all if it's in 2023. How about? a breakout player, Rex. Last year, you correctly picked Scotty Scheffler. I have to give you credit. You correctly picked that Scotty Scheffler was going to have a breakout. Let's, have, let's, let's make this a little bit more difficult, or perhaps we could even do this in tiers. How about a guy inside the top 25 who you think is poised to take that next step, and then we're going to go slightly broader with the breakout, a guy outside the top 25 in the world ranking. Uh, all right, so you just caught me flat-footed. You're not going to follow the, the punch shot, which we clearly did. because we, we actually went with Rookie of the Year, so you clearly have no interest whatsoever. No, I got no interest in that. Uh, which was very, very difficult, by the way, because of the way they define rookies. Not so much. I think there will be a, a very good rookie class, but um, Justin Chu, is that how you say his name? Chu? Nope, definitely not. Jeff, Justin Suh. Justin Suh, folks. Yeah, thank you very much. And MJ Duffy, that is how you say his name. We're, we're right at the top. You of love MJ Duffy. I love me some MJ Duffy. Uh, neither one of them are rookies, by the way, according to how the PGA Tour does their definition of rookies. So they didn't count. I actually went with Taylor Montgomery for a whole bunch of reasons you can read on GolfChannel.com, but that's enough gas bagging because I think I have found the person I wanted. So you're saying someone I like, inside. I like, I like Austin Eckrote. I, excuse me, Austin Eckrote, if we're picking uh, top rookies this year, just FYI. Go ahead. Oh, okay, very good. So you're telling me someone inside the top 20 in the world I can pick as a breakout player. Top 25, who you think is going to is going to elevate to the next level? Last year, Scotty was what 13th in the world, somewhere around there at the end of uh, 2021, and obviously he took his game to the next level. Who is your pick to be that type of player this year? I, I guess well, Tony Finau at 14. I just named him the PGA Tour Player yeah, of the Year, I, so I okay. guess he's going yeah, to qualify makes, as that. That makes that makes sense. Give me give me give me another guy then. Uh, so, but no, the one that immediately jumps out at me, and I'm, I'm actually surprised that he's not higher than this, is Max Homa at 22nd. And mm. he's uh, playing very, very well in the season opener right now, which is no surprise. He's the defending champion there. I think there's a level of confidence there that can't be dismissed. I mean, I know I talked about this with Tony. I just think specifically when you talk about it, a guy like Max Homa, 
who wears his emotions on his sleeve. He doesn't have many unspoken thoughts. Clearly, he's a darling on social media because of all those reasons. And yet he has found a way to sort of battle through all that. Normally, players in that situation, they never really attain that level of stardom, that level of sort of gravitas because of their play versus that personality. They, they don't, those two things don't seem to go together very often. In this particular case, it looks like they are. And I, I would predict he's going to have a huge week next week at the President's Cup simply because being in that team environment will be perfect for him. It will be a social environment that will allow him to play his best. And I think that will only feed him. So I would, I would think that Max Homa has a, another very, very good year, if not a breakout year. Might be my favorite swing on the PJ Tour, Max Homa's. Yeah. I don't, I don't know much about the golf swing. That is aesthetically pleasing, the tempo, the rhythm. Mm. 222-yard drive. Clearly do I. Clearly I don't either. Yeah, it's probably uh, his five iron. There's a couple guys I want to throw out here. I don't know that I can specifically say one. I'm a, I'm a little bit uh, nervous, Rex, about Will Zalatoris' back injury, the fact that it was severe enough to knock him out, not just for the rest of the FedEx Cup playoffs, but but you know even six weeks early, it, it ruled him out of the president's cup. I don't know whether we're going to see him uh, for the rest of 2022. We're going to have to see he's, he's up there in the race to Dubai standings. And so you'd think if he had an opportunity to claim that, uh, that you would maybe see him at the season ender on the DP world tour uh, in Dubai. We just don't know uh, how he's progressing with that. And to have a guy so young, 25, 26 years old now uh, dealing with, with a back injury, obviously his slight form, is slight uh, physique, excuse me, uh, is a little bit concerning. But Will Zalatoris to me is a is a guy that I circle who has all of the tools, especially now with that first PGA Tour win under his belt to jump from I think he's eighth now in the world ranking. He could easily crash uh, that top three to me. I think uh, and is a guy who could be the the the, the player who picks off two or three wins each and every year. If you go down the world ranking a little bit more. You know, Sam Burns, I think you could classify him as a breakout star uh, yeah. for this year. The big question mark for him becomes whether he can uh, do it in some of the game's biggest events. Cameron Young was a breakout star in 2022, even the even though he does not have a victory so far uh, in this calendar year. I'm still a little bit uh, skeptical, Rex, whether Cameron Young is going to remain with the PGA Tour. I know he has said... He told you. Yes. And in the same breath, he said that he was intrigued by Liv. You don't say that if you are 100% committed to the PJ Tour and not always looking over your shoulder. It almost sounded like an invitation to be like lured back by Greg Norman and company. So Cameron Young, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see. I, I hope he doesn't because... He's going to be named if he hasn't already been named by the time this podcast comes out uh, as the PJ Tour uh, Rookie of the Year. Uh, an incredible player, an incredible talent. Not the most charismatic fella, uh, but but boy, can he hit a golf ball! And boy, does he have the goods as he's shown up uh, in the major championships. But for but for his for his sake, for the PJ Tour's sake, I hope he sticks around uh, for the entirety of of that season. Tom Kim is another player uh, who I think certainly Trevor Hamilton is going to be circling. Uh, on his roster for next week's President's Cup team. All of a sudden, he's been thrust into the role of having to be not necessarily a team leader. I think that's going to fall uh, squarely on the shoulders of a player like Adam Scott. But but Tom Kim is probably going to have to be run out there four or five matches 
uh, if the internet, if the internationals have uh, any chance to win, obviously he had that uh, breakthrough victory uh, at the Wyndham championship, but just 20 years old. I mean, the, the, the potential for this guy is absolutely uh, immense. So Tom Kim, uh, his age, his skill set, certainly a player to watch for the season. How about outside Rex outside the top 25 who you think could make a big impact this upcoming season? Uh, I will jump on you one more time since you did not do the punch shot. I will circle back around. We actually picked who would win their first major this season. I actually went with Will Zalatoris. To your point, it has to be a huge, huge qualifier. I mean, this is assuming that the injury that sustained he sustained that pushed him out of the playoffs, that kept him playing next week at the President's Cup, is not long-lasting. Because certainly any time you have a young player that swings that hard with that much velocity, that ends up with a back issue this early in their career, it's going to be concerning. I think, though, when you look at his record in the major championships, it's easy to look beyond that. In 10 Grand Slam starts, he has six top 10 finishes. And I just think the near miss in 21 at the Masters, and again at the PGA Championship this year, and again at the U.S. Open this year, eventually, as long again, if he's healthy, eventually he's going to break through and get it done. I would completely agree with that. I have nothing, I have nothing else to offer. I'm, I'm very much aboard the Willie Z bandwagon. So that's it. That, 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 that's all the game we're playing right now. Uh, yes. Outside the top 25, had to gas back for a little while until I jumped up on this because, again, just, just throwing this at me. Uh, either, however you want to say this, we have our friend at ESPN, uh, Mark Slayball, who pronounces it Seamus. It's Seamus Power. Uh, <laughs> it, is definitely, it is definitely not Seamus. Uh, it's Seamus. Uh, uh, but if he plays either – he can either be Seamus or Seamus. It doesn't matter to me. I think he's going to have a very, very good year. I think he makes the, the, the Ryder Cup team. I think he's one of a very, very young, different-looking Ryder Cup team, as Rory McIlroy predicted this week from Rome. And I just like his game. I like his attitude. He seems to be very relaxed on the golf course. And I kind of compare him, and this has nothing to do with where they're from, but I kind of compare him to Shane Lowry, that he seems to just to have that sort of attitude. And certainly, having watched Shane win last week at, at what is the DP world tour's biggest event. I think those are pretty good shoes to follow. Uh, speaking of the Ryder cup, I'm currently watching the Italian open, which is being played at the 2023 Ryder. Cup what do you think of that golf course? Apparently it's called Mark Marco Simone. I've been, pro- I've been pronouncing it Marco Simone. For the, the E's past not couple silent years. to the American ear. The, the E apparently is not silent. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm that, watching. That's the not going to be awkward at all. The, no, definitely not. Uh, I'm watching the golf course right now. Uh, I'm not blown away. Uh, Roy McIlroy compared it to like a Celtic Manor uh, or Glen Eagles, which which are two uh, uninspiring <laughs> golf courses. Uh, it looks like the back nine is a incredibly treacherous walk, uh, which you and I have, have covered our fair share of of Presidents Cups and Ryder Cups. You may you you mostly just walk the back nine for these things. Cause that's where all the drama, that's where all the excitement uh, goes. So I'm not uh, particularly looking forward to that. I mean, there's some drivable par fours. It looks like you're going to have on the back nine, 18 looks interesting. If you can get it to there. Uh, Roy actually had some interesting comments uh, following his opening round about they had like this uh, pseudo team dinner on Wednesday night in Italy. It was, you know, um, Matthew Fitzpatrick was there, Shane Lowry, Eduardo Molinari, uh, Luke Donald all went to dinner and kind of huddled and talked about the golf course and how they could potentially set it up for the matches uh, to, to most benefit the Europeans. And they said that Eduardo, who does the stats uh, for the European side, they said the Americans are best uh, inside 
150 yards. That's kind of really where they excel. And so they want to design and set up the golf course basically to keep them out of that zone, which if you follow any sort of PJ tour golf, that is the zone that the top players live in all day. It seems like they're hitting short irons uh, and wedges into these greens. And so whether that comes with, with pinching in uh, rough lines, shifting fairway lines, growing up the rough uh, in, in, in such a manner in which it is grossly deterrent uh, of players just bombing driver everywhere. It's like it's what you see on the PGA tour. It seems, it feels like Rex, this setup at Marco Simone could kind of mimic what we saw at the golf national, right? Where the rough was, was brutally long, very narrow fairways. And the Americans uh, had absolutely no clue how to play that golf course. The, the roster composition was not well suited for that sort of test. Uh, and that was, imp- that, that was, that was proven out with a emphatic loss uh, in France four years ago. And I think the European side is much better at this taking advantage and, and really thinking it through. Like it, we, we would simplify it. We would dumb it down and say Le Golf National. Oh, they just pinch the fairways and grew out the rough. Well, and uh, that would be and correct. Slowed, and, and slowed down the greens. Yes, that would be correct. It would be a wild oversimplification because what they did is not only did they grow the rough out, but they actually groomed the rough back towards the tee or right around that 150-yard mark. So there was a window of whatever it was, 20, 30 yards, that they would groom the rough back towards the tee. So the Americans, who are a little bit more wayward off the tee statistically than the European side year in and year out, that not only were they hitting from the rough, but they were hitting from impossibly created lies. And this was all manufactured, and they just did a better job than the Americans did. By comparison, if you look at Whistling Straits, I think I wrote this story going into that week that Whistling Straits just wasn't the type of course that you could groom to, sh- to suit the Americans. I remember Medina, Davis Love, talking about all the things he was going to do at Medina. The only thing he did was just got rid of all the rough. It was just one big wide open fairway. And so his bombers could just stand on every tee. Which is kind of what I anticipate seeing next week at Quail Hollow, right? I would think so, and, and that golf course sets up for that. Now, that being said, I don't know. We, we see that golf course. We get a regular diet of that at the Charlotte PGA Tour stop. So it's not as though that one's going to catch anyone off guard. I don't know that, by and large, normally that's one of the more difficult golf courses on tour if you look at it statistically, Coil Hollow. However, in this particular case, I'm sure the rough is going to be either non-existent or minimal. So you're going to end up with a situation that favors the Americans. However, it's a different American team. You don't have Bryson. You don't have DJ. You don't have Brooks. I don't know if that necessarily bodes against the concept, but it is a different team this time around. What do you make of the European team? Rory came out again this week in Italy saying uh, that the live players, uh, I I would think in particularly talking about the Lee Westwoods, the Sergio Garcia's, the Ian Poulter's of the world should not be a part of that 2023 team. It remains to be seen. There's a court case uh, slated for February, 2023 to determine whether they even will be eligible uh, for that sort of competition. What do you, what do you make of this Rex? You, you were there last week at the BMW PGA. There seems to be a lot of ongoing rhetoric about it from my vantage point from, from this seat. I don't quite understand the tact that some of these European Ryder cup veterans have taken because Lee Westwood, Ian Poulter, Sergio Garcia, they desperately want to be involved with the Ryder Cup moving forward, either as a player. I think really only Sergio has a realistic shot of, of actually um, playing on the 2023 team, but certainly as, as future captains. 
And yet these are the, these are the three players who, in my opinion, have been the most disruptive. They've been the most antagonistic. You had, you have Lee Westwood, who's been open, openly critical of the European tour leadership. You've had Sergio Garcia, who had the infamous rant uh, a couple of months ago about talking how all the players are, uh, to use a, a different phrase, uh, screwed uh, moving forward. You saw Ian Poulter wear some of his live branded uh, apparel, which was uh, openly defying uh, Keith Pelly's request. Like these are the guys who should be playing nice with the Rory's and the Lowry's and the Fitzpatrick's of the world. And instead they've been the most antagonistic, like play the game. If you want to be involved in this moving forward, play the game. Don't be as disruptive as, as the live folks. That's kind of been their, their mantra or their, or their motto. But if you want to be a part of this moving forward, shouldn't they have taken a, a different tact? I think petulant is how I would describe, at least when it came to Sergio last week being the primary example of playing one round and withdrawing and then going home and showing up at the Texas game. Like all, all of the things just, he is, he is, he is from Austin. So let's like, to be fair. Yeah. He was flying home anyway. But like he he didn't, he didn't give an excuse, which is, which is poor form. Also the, the first alternate was literally a player that John Rahm had singled out in his pre-tournament press conference as being squeezed by these live entrants. And that was the player who had Sergio Garcia, whose heart clearly wasn't in it. And he decided not to play. That's the player that who would have gotten in. So that, you know, he's not making friends with his fellow Spaniards either. And I'm not going to, uh, trust me, this isn't, I'm, this is not the hill that I'm going to die on when it comes to Sergio Garcia. But I will say, I, I remember talking, I interviewed Richard Bland as he was leaving the property at Wentworth late Thursday. So we've gotten the news. I think it broke at 6.30 PM local time that the queen had passed away and that they had stopped play and Richard Bland had been on the golf course. And when I talked to him, he had cleaned out his locker and he said, yes, we're not coming back. We're not playing again. Like this is too big. Like it's hard for probably you and I to wrap your mind around the concept, but he was completely sold on the idea that this tournament is over. Like we're not going to come back and do this. So in Sergio's defense, in his mind, he may have just signed off on the idea and gotten on a plane Thursday night and headed home to Texas. And he was going to catch that Texas game, which by the way, they really should have beaten Alabama. That, 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 would, really have, that, would, have, that would have been the only way to make the story better. But being there, I was taken by the idea, and, and to your point, they have no interest in playing the game at this point because it's sort of spiraled to where the niceties are gone between players. And we saw that on numerous occasions last week. I, I did a story essentially on Graham McDowell, and I talked to him after his round on Sunday. And, I mean, he is sort of right in the middle of this, and he's torn because he does want to continue to play the European Tour. He understood there were going to be consequences – but his comment to me, as it has always been, was if they don't want me here, I won't come. Like, this is up to the players. They're the ones that, that these, are the, these are the ones that matter to me. And look, he has a friendship, a very close friendship with Rory McIlroy that has clearly been burned. And it, there are emotions there, and it's raw. On the case of Ian, Lee, and Sergio, to a certain degree, I don't think they care. They have chosen their side, and they're going to lean into it. And I think deep down inside, and this is kind of based on the rhetoric that you get from that side, from the live side. They believe they're going to win that lawsuit that you referenced next February. They believe that they're going to be able to play on the European tour. They all collected, well, Sergio didn't because he didn't finish, but they all collected Ryder Cup points going to next year's team. So the concept, at least in their mind, is, oh, we're going to get the ruling. We're going to, going to be allowed to continue to play the DP World Tour, and they're going to have to force us to stay off the team. 
I mean, I think their own play is going to force them to is going to force them off the team. There's only going to be six available spots with how the European Ryder Cup team is uh, determined their qualifying criteria for 2023. There is no way, given that the fact that the live players are going to have to play 14 events, that they're going to be able to cobble together enough starts and play well enough in those very limited starts to crack that top six of the points list. There's no way. And so they'd be relying uh, on a pick and it would be they're not gonna incredibly get unpopular for Luke Donald to pick these guys. But I will say, and, and again, Sergio is probably not the ally that I want in this, but I'm going to use him as an example because I agree with you. He's probably the only one out of those three that even, even had a chance of making next year's team, even without Liv Goff, just simply from a competitive point of view where he's at in his career. If he chose to mix in a healthy schedule on the DP World Tour, assuming that the lawsuit next February they win and they're allowed to keep playing, he could, in theory, play 10 12 times in addition to those 14 events that he has to play on the live tour next year. And if he played well enough, you could imagine, I mean, that's much, much more in Europe than he's ever played. And he's probably playing against competition that it, it's not going to be as good as he faced on a week in week out basis on the PGA tour. You could come up with a scenario where he does earn a spot on that team. Ooh, I see. I don't Whoa. see I, There's no, there's no way he plays a dozen events. I wouldn't think so either. I'm just painting a picture of how this could play out. And you don't know. I mean, there's four live golfers in the field this weekend, Ron. Patrick Reed is playing next week in in the event uh, at the Dunhill after after this week's event on the DP World Tour. They're going to continue to do it because it's the only avenue they have to world ranking points. And they're they're not going to stop just because they got some pushback from the locker room and Roy McIlroy said the things that Roy McIlroy has already said. They're going to do this because it's the only option they have to maintain any kind of semblance of a world ranking. And the punch shot that you did not do, one of the questions was, what top 10 player is going to be outside the top 10 next year? It's the easiest punch shot question in the history of Marin Cameron Smith. I, I mean, unless he just wins all four majors, which he's qualified for and I'm sure he'll play in, he's not going to be able to maintain that top 10 ranking. He's going to plummet. It's very, very simple. All of these live golf players are only going to get world ranking points from the majors and they're all going to plummet and they're all going to turn to the European tour on one form or the other. You took the easy way out on the punch shot. You really hate to see it. I took the easy way out. I wrote the punch shot. What did you do? Uh, I was barfing my brains out or doing uh, other things in the bathroom. Uh, Sergio Garcia, just to button up your previous point about how you think he could qualify for the European Ryder Cup team in 2023, his last top 10 worldwide came 10 months ago. Uh, Sergio Garcia is not all of a sudden going to rediscover his form, his zest for life, his enthusiasm for the game. Sergio Garcia, none of these live players will be a part of that 2023 team. We'll have to, they're going to have to uh, uh, pass a torch uh, clearly unwillingly to the, uh, how do you pronounce it? Hogars? Hogors, the Hogor twins. Uh, both Rasmus and, and Nikolai, who seem, who seem likely to make that team. Maybe Bobby Mack, uh, if we continue to see some good form for him. I, I'm with you, Seamus. Uh, it's going to be certainly a new-look team, the back half of that team. I still Adrian think the core, How cool would that yeah. be? I mean, he, that I mean, Maddie, yeah. I mean Maddie, Maddie Schmidt's a good player. Like the, the back half of that European team is going to look very different. I still think the core is – is Rory, there's nothing Rom, to be trifled with. I mean, it's Rory, yeah. it's Rom, it's Fitzpatrick, it's Hovland, it's Fleetwood, it's it's Hatton. I mean, that's a really, really strong core, particularly on home soil. It's whether they can find the right combination of either 
players who have some sort of veteran savvy or youngsters who are clearly uh, in fine form and can't be left off at the, at the last minute. Uh, Luke Dial certainly has his work cut out uh, to create that back half of the lineup that he really wants. I forgot what the question I'd initially asked you was. I think it had to do with which player outside the top 25 could potentially have a breakthrough. Just to button that up real quick, my pick for that uh, would be Sahith Thagala, the tour leader last season uh, in birdies made, had opportunities to win uh, Phoenix Open and the Travelers Championship. I think this dude is an absolute superstar uh, in the making. I don't think that just because of uh, his big game, but his per- his big personality as well. Anyone who comes across Sahith Thagala absolutely loves him. So this may be more uh, heart than head, uh, but I think Sahith Thagala uh, could have an even bigger breakout in 2023. Uh, if we're even going deeper than that, Rex, a player we're going to see next week at the President's Cup, who's currently outside the top 100 in the world, Taylor Pendrith. All the dude's done since coming back from that rib issue is finish inside the top five, top 15. He's done that in all but one of his eight starts since returning from injury. One of the best ball strikers on the PGA Tour. If he can shore up his short game and putting just a little bit, I think we're looking at a multiple winner uh, in 2023. How about guys, Rex? You mentioned Cameron Smith, who by default will be slipping out of the top 10 in the world ranking, which is, of course, ironic since he was on the precipice in Memphis, the tournament you covered. Uh, he was on the precipice of becoming the world number one player, and now he is uh, all but certain of slipping out of the top 10 because he plays on Liv, and Liv does not currently have world ranking points. But how about other than Cameron Smith? Who do you think will have kind of a disappointing year in, and take a, a, step, a step back in their career, perhaps? I don't know that I agree with this, but some of the others who participated in the punch shot that you did not participate in, uh, they picked Colin Morikawa, which I thought was interesting. Wow. And it, Wow. Well, and no, so the guy, the guy, the guy doesn't win. The guy does win for one season. All of a sudden he's toast. Uh, and, and I don't know if I particularly agree with it. Like I had to take a little bit deeper dive just to think statistically. And this goes back to the things I think I've always said this about him, that, that I just don't know that he's a consistent enough putter to be that dominant player that he was when he was, when he won major championships. I mean, look, he, he proved me wrong. Like he went out and he did some very, very spectacular things at the PGA championship and at the open championship. I just don't know if he has the consistency to do it year in and year out. And it simply has everything to do with his short game. That's not to say that he can't change that. There's been plenty of players over the history of the game who have found their answer, whatever that answer may be. I immediately go to to Bernard Langer, who was not a very, very good putter early in his career and found a way to be a good enough putter to allow all of those other skills to sort of dominate. I can see Morikawa doing that, but I, I can see where these folks are coming from. Yeah. I mean, I guess I understand it to a certain aspect. He's certainly the shortest hitter. Uh, of the top 10 in the world, obviously the PGA tour and this golf in general is, is skewing towards uh, having, having length is, is, is so much of an advantage and he could really uh, compensate for that by having just absolutely incredible uh, iron play. And he was still very, very good uh, over this past season with his iron play. The biggest difference was that he wasn't putting the ball in the fairway nearly as often. And he wasn't um, as sharp on and around the greens as he was the previous year when he won his second of two uh, major championships. Victor Hovland, to me, is, I mean, that might be the easy answer because he's, he's currently 10th uh, in the world ranking. His, his short game, you just don't see an elite player with a shortcoming as stark 
as his is. And when he gets to the major championships, and we saw it uh, at the old course, Rex, where he, sh- he shared the 54-hole lead with Roy McIlroy uh, at the Open Championship, he was, he was steering away so sharply away from using uh, any sort of wedge on and around the greens. And so that's going to be um, interesting as well to see whether he can address that uh, with uh, either uh, Jeff Smith, his swing coach, or a short game coach, uh, and Josh Gregory, because that is such a, a main deficiency uh, for him. I guess I don't have a great answer. Justin Thomas is a player who I've picked player of the year uh, each of the past five years. Hey, you're you're going to do that again, right? Like, you're not going to change. No, I mean, I, I picked Xander. I picked, I picked Xander as my, oh. as my player of the year. I, I finally had to shift gears. It is an end of an error. Wait till JT. JT JT's in a very strange. JT's in a very strange spot because he didn't have a great 2021. I believe uh, he gave himself a D for that year, even though he won uh, the Players Championship with an absolutely sublime weekend. And then he was kind of gifted the PGA Championship. Obviously, he played well on the weekend once again, and he he took advantage. But Mito Pereira had the lead on the 72nd hole. And he absolutely blew it. Now, JT took advantage, right, in the playoff. He birdied two of the three holes, and he clearly played well uh, on that Sunday. But that was Mito Pereira's tournament to, to, to lose, and he lost it. That I can always Pereira's tell. tournament to lose, and he lost it. I can tell when you're couching. When you're saying something just to say it, you don't particularly agree, agree with it because your voice goes up about three octaves. It, it's, the way you try to, yeah, it's the way you try to convince yourself. Along those same lines, Taylor Pendrith is 107th in the world. Yes. Uh, I actually wrote this last week because I had a chance to talk with him. That pick should have been Ryan Fox. Like I, I know Taylor what Pendrith I, pick should have been Ryan Fox. No, the Sebastian Munoz pick should have been uh, Ryan Fox. Pick whoever you'd like. I, I just Taylor think, like, Pendrith is like the hottest player on the international side. Uh, again, one hundred and Sebastian Munoz has done nothing over the past six months. Uh, okay, I don't. I don't know. I don't know where that pick came from. But I mean, Ryan, Ryan Fox, Fox I, I'm with you. Absolutely should have, been on, should have been on that team. He, he should have. Now, he took some time off after the Open. That was probably his problem, right? While the, U, while the U.S.-based players were playing in the playoffs and impressing or, or giving uh, Trevor Inman, the captain of the international team next week, a good idea where they were, Ryan Fox was taking time off. So that probably hurt him in and the long And he doesn't play full-time on the PGA Tour, so that perhaps shouldn't he count. wasn't getting as good a look as yes. others. That should not have counted. And, and look, this is going to play out however this is going to play out. And I don't think either one of us are going to give the international side much of a chance next week when we sit down to do this podcast to, to preview the President's Cup. However, this will be one, and, and I probably won't have many criticisms of Trevor because he's been dealt a really, really, really bad hand, but this is one I would be critical of. Uh, I'd be critical of that as well. Sebastian Munoz, a grand total of one top 10 finish this season. One. Yeah, Count him one. I do, I do not understand how he was named on that team, and Ryan Fox a big hitter going to a brawny ballpark like Quail Hollow was left off that team. To me, that feels uh, like a gross oversight. The, 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 the wrong pick was not Taylor Pendrith. Taylor Pendrith has some of the best form going in, uh, arguably, for the international uh, Good form, and he's going to play well. He and Corey Connors are best friends, so clearly they're going to be a team. Uh, whether or not they're a good team remains to be seen, but they, they're, they're an easy fit. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, Rex, we were going to do top tournaments. I think you and I would both agree they're most looking forward uh, to the Ryder Cup, seeing what sort of uh, composition Rome. the European Ryder Cup team has, exploring Rome together. I'm sure both of our wives will be joining us uh, on that trip. I'll be covering the Solheim Cup the week before, first Solheim Cup for me 
Uh, so I'm very much looking to that, uh, looking forward to that fortnight uh, next September. So let's transition to live. I want to get your take real quick. You've been as uh, intimate uh, with some of these details as anyone, but we, we heard, uh, I think, two interesting things on Thursday, one in a press conference and one with Phil Mickelson meeting with a couple of reporters uh, following the Pro-Am. And we'll start with, with Phil, who said that he might now drop out of the antitrust lawsuit that has been filed against the PGA Tour now that Live Golf has joined the lawsuit. Phil, along with Bryson, are, are clearly the bold-faced names uh, who are leading that charge. You surprised at all by that decision that he would potentially be weighing whether to drop out of that lawsuit? Yeah, I am. I mean, it's it's the lawsuit's namesake, by the way. So it's going to be a little awkward the way they do these things in circuit court. So it's Mickelson et al. versus the PGA Tour. Um, I, I think in this particular case, and he referenced the idea that Liv Goff last month joined the lawsuit. And I see where he's coming from with the idea that, look, this is really a fight between Liv Goff and the PGA Tour. And in his mind, that he doesn't see a problem stepping away. I think there is a problem there because Phil and the rest of the players are, that's the argument that the court is going to need to hear. They, they don't have a whole lot of interest in live golf complaining about it's not a competitive landscape when the judge has already said, seems to me you're already pretty competitive. seems to me you've already fielded a, a pretty good product just based on what you've been able to do. So it's going to be an uphill climb for that legal team and the more and more players that sort of peel away. And I understand the desire for the players to peel away because there, there are disadvantages to hanging around in this lawsuit, both financial and to whatever legacy Phil has left. And so if he can find a way to exit himself from this at this point in stage, I can see what he's thinking, but I don't know. I, I don't know what the requirements are for someone like Phil Mickelson who agreed to, pl- to play this tour for a tremendous amount of money. And from what I've been told, the understanding all along is this was always going to lead to a lawsuit. So if all of the players drop away, it's going to create an advantage for the PGA Tour that I'm sure Liv Goff and their lawyers don't want to see. I like the part uh, when Phil Mickelson was talking to uh, reporters yesterday after his pro-am that he said the only reason for him to stay in it would be to receive some monetary damages, which I don't really, which I quote, don't really want or need anything after he received a reported $200 million, just a sign, of course. Uh, So yes, he has been uh, handsomely compensated uh, for going to live. One other thing I wanted to get uh, your thoughts on Rex was Bryson uh, giving his first press conference in a while, actually. Uh, with Liv saying that the PGA Tour in particular has, quote, only hurt themselves by not allowing Liv players to play in the President's Cup. Would you agree or disagree with that? Oh, sure. And I think we, we've done this before. We've been pretty, we had a pretty good time with, you know, who would we miss and who would we not miss? And I think both of us agreed that we, we, the Tour is going to miss Bryson. And look, he brought a lot of drama, and I'm sure he brought a lot of headaches to Jay Monahan and the rest of the PGA tour, but there's no denying that if you go back to last year, he was pretty much the guy who made all of the headlines. I mean, Tiger Woods at the beginning and at the end of the season had himself some moments, but it was really Bryson and then whatever was going on with Brooks, but he was a headline machine and he was what got them on sports center. And he was sort of this outlier that they really created the pip to reward, right? I mean, all of the things that he brought to the table and some of it was bad and some of it was controversial and some of it the tour would probably rather be without, but it was all part of the same package. In his particular case, yes, I think it is mixed. He is going to be missed. Now, 
is DJ going to be missed? If I'm being honest, if we're both being honest, no. Because I don't know that anyone was going to show up at Coil Hollow next week thinking I'm going to go watch me some Dustin Johnson. I mean, the dude did just have a 5-0 and week at the Ryder Cup last fall. Uh, and again, I mean, he's a fantastic player. This is not a testament to, to his career or what he's able to do on the golf course. This is all about draw. And there's a very, very few number of players in the game that are true draws. Rory is one. Tiger is, of course, one. DJ's Bill. a proven draw. He was top 10 in the pit. Uh, I mean, however that, that definition worked, I, I don't trust the pip. Needle mover. Yeah, I don't buy that. Do you buy that? Are you, are you, are you going to make the argument right now he's a needle mover, that the tour is worse off without DJ than they were with DJ? Yes. I think, no. DJ, I think, DJ, I think DJ is a needle mover, yes. No, he's not. I, I don't believe that at, at all. And Brooks was wildly unpopular when he left. I, I don't know that he was that much of a needle but mover. He was a, but he was a villain. He was a villain, and, and I think the game needs a villain to a certain degree, but now that's been that sort of manufactured villain has been replaced by a real, real villain, some would say. Uh, that's, that's probably true. I, I, do, I do agree with, his, with, with Bryson's statement. Like, it has absolutely decimated the international side, not allowing these live players, whether it was Cameron Smith, who was a leading points getter, I mean, Joaquin Neiman, Carlos Ortiz, Abe Anser, Mark Leishman. Uh, Louis Oosthuizen. I mean, all of those players either would have qualified for the team, or most certainly have been picked for this team. And so, that for them to not be there, having uh, Captain Trevor Immelman have to increase his number of picks because of some of these defections after the fact, the automatic selections were already made from four to six. I mean, it, the it, the the visiting team has been absolutely crushed in this. I don't think the Americans were necessarily harmed. Yeah, I think Dustin Johnson would have garnered. Um, like serious consideration for a wild card pick had he not automatically qualified, but like Brooks uh, has been an absolute non-factor in between live events. He just had a two week uh, sojourn in the Mediterranean. Like he's, he's completely cashed in and cashed out uh, for competitive golf. Bryson has been dealing with a hand injury. He's got a lot of other things going on. Uh, I'm not sure where his head is at, at the moment. Like those guys were going to be passed over Patrick Reed's days of playing on a team competition. Had he not qualified uh, outright, uh, we're going to be over as well. I, I am intrigued by the fact that Bryson also made mention of, it could be this sort of thing with the PGA tour and live golf. Where it's like the, he, he equated to the AFC and the NFC and the NFL. And then all that kind of all roads then lead to this Super Bowl event. That's what we had 20, 30 years ago, right? With the PGA Tour doing its own thing, the European Tour doing its own thing. And then you had this clash in the fall where the European Tour in particular was, was trying to show uh, the PGA Tour its might and its metal and that they were every good as, as good of players. And that's kind of been lost, I think, uh, over this last generation where there's so much intermingling now among the top players uh, internationally. Uh, on the PGA tour, but you, I, I, I think Rex, you could conceivably see someday, probably not next year, uh, maybe not even in three years with, with the temperature as hot as it is, but that you could have kind of these two roads splitting and then had this big showdown at the end of the year. I think that'd be very entertaining for golf fans. I asked Graham McDowell on Sunday at Wentworth, like, where are we at five years from now? Like, give me an end game here. And, in, and I think I, I told you this last week that sitting next to Monahan on, on the flight out to London, I wanted to ask him the same in thing. First I, class. Was, I was too much of a coward. Um, it's actually called upper class on Virgin Atlantic. Business. Is it called business? No, 
It's upper class. Yes. But by the way, you know, uh, there's a side note. You know what you don't want to do? You don't want to leave your wallet in the little uh, compartment next to your seat when you're in upper class. Because getting oh, that no. thing back, I, I think my wallet made it the round trip back to London and then back. And I, I finally did get it back. So, uh, folks, don't. Oh, wow. That could have. How did you pay for things? Uh, it was, I got home Monday. I mean, it was an Uber. So that, that kind of pays for itself. And then I didn't even realize I didn't have it until I woke up the next morning. Cause I was just getting up to, I think I was getting up to go to the store or something. And, and like the, the moment of panic, I woke up at 5am. So I'm, I'm pacing him around my kitchen, like panicky. Cause I realized that what I, what I've done. And then I spent about the next 24 hours. I, I canceled all my credit cards and everything. So it's, it just, just don't do it. That's all I'm saying. But you got your wallet back. I did. I had to drive back all the way back out to the airport and, and go and and yes, I, I got it all back. It was a success story. Everyone, hooray for Rex! I hope you uh, expense Lonely that. Clap. I hope I hope you expense that additional mileage to the airport. You, you uh, try to run that one through the system. Uh, I did not. Uh, I will say this: though, rash cream, though. Cha ching. Uh, rash cream, makeup, like it's amazing the things you get away expensing. I can't expense my own per diem apparently, but you can get these away are, with whatever you want. <laughs> these these are necessary supplies. You don't need to eat. You can eat at the golf course. <laughs> apparently. Uh, but I will say that Graham had no answer. And I don't think that anyone on either side has an answer of where we're going from here. And maybe, and, and I think Bryson's being a little oversimplified here, but maybe he has something. Maybe three years from now, and I can imagine a scenario that the tour does get back some leverage at some point, because at some point, all of these players drop outside the top, whatever, pick a number, 300, 500 in the world ranking. And then it becomes a non-starter. Then we're talking about Phil playing the masters because it's a lifetime exemption and that's it. And then it's kind of, they're out of sight, out of mind. However, there does have to be a tipping point. Like we have to find a way to make this work. And maybe that's as simple as it gets that once a year, we're going to have our Super Bowl. And the top players from Live and the top players from the PGA Tour play each other. And other than that, we mind our own business. Maybe that's the end game. What is the I don't the only issue I have with that? What does the PGA Tour have to gain from that? Like they can only lose in that scenario. If you win, while well, you're you're supposed to win, you you have the quote unquote best players in the world. If you lose, doesn't it say, oh wow, are the best players actually on Live? Like has the PGA Tour decimated its product because of greed or? selfishness or whatever the case may be like i don't see i don't see what the benefit for them would be well and i i think i said this last week i feel like we've reached a tipping point at least from supply and demand right i mean it's a 48 player field now they can expand it if they want but what i've been told they're married to the shotgun start so that is going to limit the amount of players that are available for this league so at some point they have siphoned off all they can there's no more room there's no more inventory there's no more room at the end. So at some point it just becomes a standoff. And at that point, then the product kind of decides, I think that was Rory's line at East Lake. Then, then the fans decide which product they like the best beyond that. I don't, I don't know why the tour at this point in time needs to do anything more proactive than what they've already done because of the fact that we're not going to see another 20 players next week announce that they're leaving. Now there's probably going to be, there's, there's rumors that there's a top 10 player who's going to announce soon that they're going to live. But that, those are going to be one-offs going forward. You're going to have one here and then maybe one next month. It's not going to be the mass exodus that we've seen. So from the tourist point of view, they're not motivated at all to do anything. Yeah, there was some confusion. Greg Norman said a couple of months ago that they're all full. And a lot of people took that to mean that they're all booked out for 2023 and that they were having to turn down players. 
what he was actually saying was that they're all full for the rest of this season. There are going to be no additional player announcements for this season. This uh, Live Chicago event is the fifth of eight scheduled events, all culminating with that uh, Doral tournament uh, with $50 million up for grabs. What he has not yet said is that they are full for 2023. And so you very well may continue to see some player announcements through the end of uh, the calendar year. The, yeah, the, the rumor mill is once again cranking up, Rex. And John Ron had to go on Twitter and dispute some uh, live-affiliated bot that had popped up and said that he was going to live. There's uh, other players who have certainly been thrown around. So, Man, uh, bots are relentless, man. They are. They all, they're all created in June 2022. Imagine that. I, I ran into that last week in London. That is not a fun existence trying to wade through everyone's bot. No. If you want engagement on social media, just tweet the words live uh, and you will get it. It will come uh, in spades. Uh, Rex, to wrap up this podcast, uh, I'm going to be eating a very bland diet uh, this weekend. So nothing's on the grill. Uh, I probably will still manage. My wife suggested Buffalo Wings uh, for the football games on Saturday. Not sure I want to go that route, uh, incorporating so much uh, spiciness back into the diet so quickly. Uh, so I may opt for a more tame garlic parm uh, for my additions to the wing, but I'm sure I'll be firing up the gateway drum uh, for that. What do you fire it up? Uh, well, we got a big game tonight. So Lake Brantley plays Lake Mary. It's a rivalry game. It's two it's, teams it's, that just don't like each other. Two teams that just don't like each other. And this goes back a long way. And Lake Brantley has not been very good in recent years. So my son plays for Lake Brantley. So we're going to see. I am actually going to do chicken wings tonight, though. So as soon as we get done with this, I'm going to start working on the grill. How are you cooking them? Uh, well, it's the way you and I talked about before. So I kind of smoke them, and, and that, that's a bit of a slower process than I think what you do. But then I kind of flash fry them, and then I throw them back on the grill just to sort of sear them. Nothing wrong, folks, with smoking them at 250, cook them through, and then flash oh, fry them. They're called smoker fried wings. Uh, they are delicious. Uh, I don't do that, uh, but that is a proven method to have very delicious wings you need to render that fat uh make sure you cook them through and then you can get the crispy skin that everyone loves when you go to a restaurant uh, and eat that crispy skin wing that is what everyone loves if you use the gateway drum which is a direct heat cooker uh i cook them for probably about 50 minutes at 300 needles straight up on the gateway that is how you get those fat drippings going down and that is how you can get uh, that char grilled flavor uh, without uh, overdoing it folks do not cook your wings to 165 do not be afraid to push it all the way to 185 190 even upwards of 200 degrees as that finishing temperature you want it to fall off the bone with a bite through skin that is how you do it do not go to 165 which is what the fda will tell you uh chicken is safe at you will not hurt the wing uh the higher temperature you go, Rex, uh, this, um, unfortunately, this is not a visual uh, medium. Uh, your son's playing football. My son, Cam, three years old, uh, is currently playing flag football. Uh, and some of the videos uh, and moments from this thing are absolutely uh, hilarious. And so I'm actually thinking about incorporating like a tailgating aspect to these flag football games. I have many grills, of course, uh, that I could bring. Uh, and fire it up for the games. Uh, it's a long season. I think it takes us all the way through till about Thanksgiving. Uh, and so I'll keep you apprised whether after the President's Cup uh, next week in Charlotte, I bring tailgating uh, to a three to six-year-old 
uh, flag football flag game. Football do, you, game. Yeah. do you do anything for like on site for the football games besides sneaking in a flask? Uh, no, there's tailgating. There, there is absolutely, it's more for the kids. So I'm actually doing, it'll be, the wings will be more for the kids because uh, my son won't be part of it, but his friends. All but you are, bring, so. but you bring the wings to the game. You don't, yeah. you don't bring the grill to the game. No, 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 no. no that would be crazy. That seems, I mean, it's a high, seems it's a high school football game. Come yeah. On. You got to get loose. Uh, that's what the flask is for. That's true. What do you got to put in the flask? Uh, normally I go with vodka, but tonight I might take it easy and just maybe, maybe do like a nice bourbon, just sip it a little bit. Cause it's a big game. I want to keep my wits about me. Uh, it, it, you need to, you need to hang on to the very end. Cause these games are always close. It always comes down to the fourth quarter. It always comes down to who has the ball last. Like it's, we, we have a good defense and I'm not even saying that cause my son is a safety. I'm, I'm just worried about the offense. If it's getting to your son, who's the safety, uh, the defense is not doing its job. That's that's what he says. The he last says. last line of defense. Uh, how did how did speaking of flask? How did the bunk mate uh, treat your disappearance during her fiftieth birthday? Uh, not well. I ended it ended up costing me a small fortune because uh, I had to order <laughs> flowers. <laughs> I had to order flowers, which are so expensive. You're, you're ordering flowers from London. I don't know why they're so much more expensive from London. And I also uh, I had to burn quite a few uh, Marriott points to get her her and her girlfriends uh, apparently a suite at the Ritz Carlton in, in Amelia <laughs> Island. And so she sent me a video showing me it was like a two-bedroom suite at the Ritz Carlton. Oh, I've stayed, I've stayed at that Ritz. It's very nice. It's very nice. And uh, and then I sent her back a video of, of me in my room that I had in London, or just outside London. It was in Ascot, and it was with no, uh, with, no with no AC, and you could touch you could touch all the walls. You could touch all the walls, but the best part is uh, I, I referenced the loo, and right above the loo, because the the ceiling is so low, there's a big sign that says "Mind your head." Mind the window. Mind your head. So, yeah, that, it cost uh, me a small fortune, but I, I'm not in trouble anymore, so it's good. Oh, that's good to hear. Uh, I hope the bunkmate had a wonderful 50th birthday. I do not have her phone number. I thought I did. I was going to wish her a message. Hope I'm sure she has listened uh, to the uh, one-hour mark of this podcast uh, and will appreciate uh, the well wishes uh, for her 50th year here. Uh, Rex, that's all for this edition of the Golf Central podcast presented by Callaway Golf. We'll be together next week in Charlotte for the President's Cup, breaking down the pods, breaking down the pairings, breaking down potential matchups. Uh, and uh, I think we can both uh, agree on who we think will win that competition, but we're hoping it is closer than a lot of people are anticipated. And any medical experts who are listening to this podcast Please find me in the mentions. Ryle Lander GC. Why have I had a sore throat for three weeks? And pink uh, eye. People cannot quite figure it out. Pink eye, vomiting, uh, and the whole like. But particularly, why is my throat and my lymph nodes still swollen and sore after three weeks? Dying to know. Hit me up in the why mentions. I'll be sure. Why to don't get you go to a regular doctor instead week. of an online doctor? I don't understand. I don't. I don't trust any of them. Uh, and I appreciate uh, the teledoc. Uh, anyway, thank you guys for listening to this edition of Golf Central Pod presented by Callaway Golf. Talk to you next week. Playing hurt. <laughs>